0: This episode, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, the episode is pretty beefy already. Like, I don't need to say, I know, but I feel
0: like it's the Jessica and, her, and Lizzie show, and like, there's like no energy. <laughs> <Nergenie. laughs> That's
1: not true. Okay, so this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna change this. You're gonna say this because <laughs> this is a podcast, you gotta talk. That's right, I'm talking, it's not a silent film. <laughs>
0: Hey there, and welcome back to She Builds podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. This season is a wild card season, where we can talk about any lady we want. On today's episode, we'll talk about Lois Cooper, the first Black woman transportation engineer at Caltrans. I'm Lizzie Rar, drinking coquito in San Francisco, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts Jessica and Nargiti. Same here. I'm Nergeri
2: Rivas, reporting for Coquito Drinking Duty
1: in Houston, Texas. And I'm Jessica Rogers, not drinking Coquito, based out of Miami, Florida. What? I got a gin and lemonade. Not the same. You're missing out. Sorry. I I ended my holidays early.
2: (laughs) Well, it's time for our disclaimer. The three of us are passionate about what we're doing, but we're not experts on this subject. We're just sharing stories about the information that we find. So if we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us, send us an email, and we all continue
0: learning. Okay, ladies, let's head to Mississippi.
1: M-I, crickle-letter, crickle-letter, crickler crickle crickle-letter, hump humpback, humpback, ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah. Sorry, had to say it. What just happened? That's how you spell Mississippi. <laughs> I've never heard that. I heard it as a little kid and then I watch a show that takes place in Mississippi. Learn how to spell. Mississippi. Okay.
2: Well, (laughs) I don't think we've ever been there on this podcast, obviously, because I would have heard that sooner. Yes. Like (laughs) this is a she builds
1: podcast first. Yes, that's right. Mississippi is a first for us.
0: I'm excited. Lois was born in 1931 in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Unfortunately, I did not find a birthday for her anywhere. Bummer. It happens. She lived with her mother, grandmother, a male cousin, and her older sister. The five of them lived in a shotgun house.
2: Ooh, shotgun houses. These are architecturally significant houses. They have a gabled front porch and two or more rooms laid out in a straight line. There's no hallways, so to go from one room to another, you have to pass another room. In the U.S., they were built mostly in African-American neighborhoods and they have roots from African and indigenous architecture. They were built inexpensively, so people tend to not value their worth, but they're actually pretty smart about how they use a small amount of space, how light and air ventilation circulates, and also about the community interaction that they encourage because... You had to pass through other people's rooms to get to your own. So you had to maybe talk to them, acknowledge them, say hi. But they were also built very close to one another. So you also became really close
1: to your neighbor. They're pretty ingenious. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nerjudi. That was a very academic response.
2: You're welcome. I am actually really, (laughs) I really like row houses. I don't think that they get the credit that they're, that they
1: should get. I mean, they are. They're they're exactly how you say they're very um, genius in their design. I've always heard of them explained as a house that from the front door to the back door, you could shoot a shotgun straight through. So that's where they got the shotgun. Yeah, that's the name where the name comes from. Yeah. And then I would compare these houses to like just row homes, which we can still see in cities today like Washington, D.C., New Orleans. Uh, Maybe Boston has a couple Uh, if you're from Philly or in the Philly area. I also remember like what they call Trinity houses, these houses that are close together and they're in more of an urban metropolitan city.
2: We have row houses here in Houston, too. I think that's why I'm so excited about them. And (laughs) there's actually a very popular project. It's called Project Row House. And they converted the row houses because there are a bunch of them into art galleries. And there's artist residences and art galleries and community things that happen there. I like going there. I really it's a cool space. Nice.
0: Well, Lois said that she was always very interested in reading and learning from a very young age. She was always reading anything she could get her hands on. And apparently she tried to go to school with her sister when she was four years old. Her mom was also an avid reader, which she said that it rubbed off on her. That's really sweet. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cute. I feel you, Lois. I was always reading. Her mom did domestic work and her grandmother took in washing for folks. When she was old enough, she also did domestic work and would read whatever the people that she worked for were reading. Magazines, books, anything she could find.
1: Get
2: your reading on,
1: Lois! I have a feeling Lois was very resourceful. I like it. Mm, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) She also talked about
0: listening to the radio as a kid and how that and reading really promoted her imagination versus television later on where everything is put in front of you and you don't have to imagine it really, because you're looking at it, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Agreed.
1: I feel like today, Lois would rather choose a podcast versus a streaming platform.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Our podcast to be exact.
1: Yes. That's right.
0: (laughs) Once she got into school, she skipped first grade and in high school, she took algebra, which fostered her love of math. She was also on the student council in high school, and it was interesting how she talked about it. She said that the student council almost served as like a mini court system or like an internal policing of the students, and that there was this sense that they didn't want to mess up And it was encouraged to kind of create order within the students by the students, not by teachers. She Mm. said, if somebody did something that they weren't supposed to do, then we would take them to the student council meeting, you know, like our own little court system. So we kind of policed ourselves. And I see these kids nowadays, and apparently they don't have any qualms about kids messing up. We were concerned about ourselves
1: messing up, you know, so we kept law and order on our own. Okay, so unlike Lois, I watch a lot of TV, but to her point, when I see shows that showed student councils from her time, they operated like how she describes it. I wonder what changed because our student council was very different from hers,
2: right? Yeah, definitely. As kids, we had less autonomy,
0: I think. Well, Lois became the first person in her family to graduate from high school, beating her sister to that goal by one year.
1: <laughs> go, Lois. But also Lois already had like a head start with her skipping the first
2: grade. Yeah. Yeah, but it sounds like the sister was at the very least a year older, so Lois kind of skipped two grades at some point, probably.
0: Or her sister took longer, who knows. But, mm, After high school, Lois wanted to go and study law. She had always been interested in it, and she saw law as having a logic like math. She enrolled at Tougaloo College, a private college outside of Jackson, Mississippi.
1: It's interesting. I've heard of Tougaloo College, but always in the context of the civil rights movement. Um, So listeners, Tougaloo was considered a safe haven for freedom riders and other civil rights leaders traveling through Mississippi. As a college, though, it was established first as a teacher's college. And then it expanded. It's a church related type of institution, but it's not a church control institution, which is interesting. Architecturally speaking, the school is the style that they call good biblical um, after Amistad, which is that famous court case about freed Africans. Point is, is that there's a lot of historical context here. But the Amistad thing made me think of Lois and that makes it sound like a good choice for her.
0: Yeah. So Lois was in a class at Tougaloo, right? They're doing a math problem during it. The professor puts a problem on the board. And after the class, she couldn't stop thinking about it. And afterwards, she realized that the problem was incorrect the way the professor had done it. So she went to the professor separately the next day to let him know that it was incorrect. And he told her, well, put it on the board. And she said that she thinks he was trying to kind of like shame her for putting it for saying that it had been wrong and wanted her to like put it up there and be wrong. But of course, it turned out to be right. I mean, of course. Yeah. What a jerk. I'm glad the joke was on him. hmm. I mean, she didn't mean to embarrass him at all. She was saying, but and that's why she went to him separately. Right. But then word got around campus about her having done this. And it sounds like she was able to then test out of the class and get into a class with juniors and seniors. Remember, she's a freshman, guys. Oh,
1: she was, yeah. She was always so good about skipping grades. I mean, the girl is smart.
2: Mm-hmm. This is giving me episode one Milka Bliss knockoff vibes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's also taking a Western civilization history class because she wants to study law. And they had to do all of this essay writing, which she was not about. I totally relate to this. (laughs) I hate (laughs) essay writing. She said, I can work on a math problem all day long, but to sit down and write history, that was not my thing. So I was thinking, if you're going to be a lawyer, you have to major in history. That was the old adage that you had to major in history. I thought, nah, this will never do. So That ended her law aspirations, essentially. And she focused on math from that point on. Okay, but
2: what the heck? I mean, I think even if you don't have to study history, lawyers have to do a crap load of writing. Mm -hmm. I know. I don't think Lois thought this through in the beginning when she applied. (laughs) You know what? I'm glad that she eventually realized that it was not for her Mm -hmm. sooner than later. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought it was kind of poetic when she first explained it. But yeah, lawyers do a lot of writing and reading and homegirl just wasn't about that. Yeah, exactly. She was too focused on the
0: idea that law was logical Mm -hmm. and not thinking about the realities of the job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after her freshman year, Lois decided she wasn't totally loving Tougaloo. The way she described it, it sounded a bit too isolated from things to do and whatnot. So, all right, backing it up a little bit. During World War II, Lois's mother had gone to California in 1943 to work and help with the war effort. But she had told Lois that she could go to any local college in Mississippi. But when she wasn't really feeling Tougaloo anymore, she went out to California to be with her mom and she enrolled at L.A. City College.
2: At least she had options and it
0: probably helped to be closer to her mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And hello, California. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's 1950 now and she's studying math at L.A. City College. In her third year, she transferred to L.A. State College, which was on the same campus at the time. She was working a bunch of different jobs to pay for school and eventually got a job at the L.A. State College Library, which was enough money for her to afford school.
2: No student loans. I like that. Mm. Yep. And to be surrounded by
0: books? A fave. True. So now that she's a math major, she's the only woman in most of her math classes and a Black woman at that. She said that in her non-math classes, she wasn't the only Black student. But at that time, there just weren't a lot of Black students at the school in general, right?
1: Well, yeah, it's the 1950s. Right. Yep. And no surprise here. But also Tugelo is a historically black college and HBCU. So for her, it must have been a big change. Yeah, for
0: sure. She said this didn't really bother her that much, though, and she didn't let it affect her. She said, I'd never paid any attention to that. I guess I've always been independent. Most of my friends in high school were guys. I guess I'm really not a typical female type female, whatever that means. That didn't bother me because I was there to learn and not necessarily to socialize or anything.
2: That's very practical. I can definitely relate to that mindset.
1: Yeah, she was focused.
0: It also sounds like from the interview I read with Lois that she is a talker. And actually, it's pretty apparent from the interview itself. (laughs) So she was saying that she was always willing to meet people and talk to them, but she was also fine just like sitting on her own and doing her own thing. So and if someone came over, then she'd be happy to chat with them about anything. (laughs) Love it. After graduating, Lois is on the job hunt. Working in the library, she saw lots of notices on the administration wall, and one of them was for an engineering aide in the California Department of Architecture, and the only requirement was high school math. So she applied, and she got a call. She went down to the interview, and they said, oh, I thought you were a man. So she didn't get the job.
1: Mm.
2: My mouth just dropped. What the friggin' what? I hope whoever they accepted sucked
1: i mean every season every season we get a comment like this yeah and about
0: that experience she said well of course you're angry but what do you do Far as she's walking out <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean what else if you're in your dreams
0: well, when she had applied for this job, she had mailed the application to Sacramento since it was a state job, right? And they sent her another job offer for an engineering aide, but this time at Caltrans or California Department of Transportation. We should note, though, that when she was hired, it was called the Division of Highways, but it would become what we know today as Caltrans.
1: Hmm. Noted.
0: She said that the interview with Caltrans went way better and she didn't receive any flack for being a woman or being black in the personnel department and they gave her the job. But obviously she's not working with those folks in personnel, right? So she got sent to the design B department and she said they weren't expecting a woman, which like her first name is Lois. It's not like Alex or something unisex or ambiguous. So I don't really get the reason why everyone thinks she's not a woman. but. That whatever. However, (laughs) her getting hired made her the first black person hired in the engineering department in
1: 1953.
2: Yay, Lois. I do agree with you, Lizzie. Why would they expect Lois to be a guy? Was this, I mean, maybe in the 1950s it
1: was the unisex names or maybe they thought, oh, it's definitely
2: Lois. They just spelled it wrong.
1: Maybe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that maybe they thought it was a typo and they thought it was like Louis with a U, like O-L-O-U-I-S or I Louise, guess like L-O-U-I-S. I don't know. Maybe.
0: maybe. But even that feels like a stretch, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Hate anyway, she got hate the job. <laughs> yeah. She talked about the difference coming from the South during that time. And then coming to Caltrans, where it was somewhat more integrated, but she still felt like people looked at her differently. She said, I mean, it was just my perception of things. But when you go to the bathroom, I was the only black person there in the bathroom. And it just seems like people are looking at you differently because you didn't share bathrooms back in the South in those days. So that could have been my imagination, but I would just ignore things.
1: And it got to the place where we got along. I mean, for that time, I think that's the only way you could handle those types of situations. For
0: sure. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like she really proved herself there early on with the men in her department. She loved doing all of the calculations. Remember, this is before calculators and computers, right? So everything's done by hand. And... To design and build a freeway, they would have to calculate the alignment of the road from one point to another and any curves that it might have in between. I'm not going to lie. I did not super follow her explaining how they did that. She like went through it in detail and I got a little lost. But, you know, we need some listener input for the non-engineers that we are.
1: <laughs>
0: yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> The point is that they had to, quote unquote, close the transverse with this calculation. And whenever any of the men in the department couldn't close it, they would give it to Lois to figure out where they made a mistake. So she started being the go to for all the calculations, which, of course, earned her respect and a good reputation.
1: (laughs) Okay, so this reminds me of Katherine Johnson, the mathematician that worked at NASA. Or who you may know as the character Taraji P. Henson that played in the movie Hidden Figures. That was the story of Katherine Johnson and the other women um, that worked at NASA. In this case, um, with Katherine Johnson, the story of Lois reminds me of her because like Lois, Katherine would be the only black woman working in a male dominated field. She loved math and they were both like these human calculators.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In 1971, Lois joined the L.A. Council of Black Professional Engineers. She was the only woman. She worked her way up to become treasurer, secretary, vice president, and eventually the president of the council. When she became president, Caltrans did a press release about her, and she said that guys at work would ask her, Lois, how does that female organization that you're president of going? And she'd say, I'm the only female there. It sounds like she kind of surprised them with that fact, but also kind of like, yeah, stick it to them.
1: (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) Lois, the leader, tell them what's up. That's Mm -hmm. right. One of the main things Lois did with the council was trying to get more Black students to go into engineering. They would go to schools to talk about engineering and would spend Saturdays teaching students in math and science. This is something that Lois continued to be passionate about for the rest of her career. She said... One of the things we found, that there weren't many Blacks in college. Even if they qualified to go into engineering, they weren't being accepted in college. So we got involved with the colleges, the deans of engineering of colleges, and worked with them to try and find the students who were qualified to major in engineering. So we'd go to the schools to talk, to find out if the kids had the right GPAs and things. We'd try to get them enrolled in the various colleges, Cal State and Cal Poly in particular.
2: This is so great. I'm so glad that she had the initiative and she took that on.
1: Yes. Yay, Willis. Also, this is still a thing, by the way, Um, but it's definitely gotten better since her time.
0: Yeah. She also made it very clear to Caltrans that this was a priority to her. So when she moved departments, the first thing she did was go to the head of the department not just her supervisor, and tell them that she did this. Because I think sometimes she would like leave on Fridays and things like that to go to schools and things like that. But it worked in Caltrans' favor too because she was out there representing them. So it was mutually beneficial.
1: Yes, get it. Okay, so this also reminds me of today of how like firms have programs where they reach out to colleges and high school students. I love it. Trailblazing left and right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. So she spent many years in Design B, which she really, really liked, but she felt she needed to do different things and to move around the organization a bit more to move up. So she moved over to hydraulics for a while and then went to public information, which she had to fight for. She said that whenever she would go to the bathroom, she'd stop at the water fountain and she'd often chat with various people there. One of which was a guy named Bill Sorley who was a senior engineer at the time. Okay, so she goes to her supervisor in hydraulics and says that she'd like to go to public information and he says no. So next time she meets Bill at the water fountain, she says to him, Bill, I'd like to come over to public information. And he said, come on down. And it
1: turns out that Bill is her supervisor's boss. (laughs) This is great. Bam. Bam. But also side note, I had a boss tell me this once um, and Lois brings it to mind as well. Sometimes when looking for a promotion, you might have to make lateral moves. Like yeah. in this case, it was switching departments. So for those of you that are working in firms and maybe you want to gain more experience or level up in a company, maybe you should think laterally. Yeah, a it's true. Yeah. Get more variety of experience and things
0: like that. Mm hmm. So when she was in public information, they started building diamond lanes on the freeways in L.A., which were the precursor to carpool lanes. The plan was to use the median to add another lane, which would be the diamond lane. And that would mean the freeway would still have four lanes that weren't diamond like it currently was. However, people heard we are taking away one of your lanes to make it the diamond lane. So people were furious. (laughs) <laughs> and they were calling constantly saying, that's my lane. I paid for that lane. I
1: want to drive in that lane. People be peopling. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> people be peopling. Uh, but this is fascinating. This is essentially the beginning of the HOV lanes. Yeah. Well, Lois would often
0: take these calls and she would calm down these completely irate people who were calling. And she got a reputation for being the angry caller whisperer or something (laughs) because they started sending those calls her way. And it sounds like she kind of enjoyed it or enjoyed the fact that she was good at calming people down and explaining the situation. It's a good personality trait to
2: have. I would also like to think that the people that were angry about these diamond lanes, maybe they just didn't understand them. So Lois was just helping them come to their
0: senses. Mm -hmm. I mean, one would hope, right? It sounds like that was the case, right? They didn't understand that they were adding a lane not taking one away. But Mm -hmm. anyway, she also had a reputation that if someone called in about something she didn't know about, she didn't just say, I don't know, and leave it at that. She would always take down their information, hunt down the answer and call them back to tell them. I think this was part of her personality as an avid learner and reader. She didn't want to have to say, I don't know. It didn't sit well with her and she couldn't just leave it at that. That's good customer
1: service right there.
0: That's a good life lesson. So when Lois first started at Caltrans she wasn't the only woman. There were a few other women engineers or drafters, but she said that all the positions were based on exams. The first exam of course was on math. So I didn't have any problem with that. The next exam was math and some technical stuff about Caltrans. Then the third exam, the senior engineering aide had the most construction in it. Well, Caltrans system was that when a person is hired on as an engineer out of college, they would go through the rotation program. Rotation meant that you'd work in design for six months, materials for six months, work in construction for six to nine months, and you'd work in some of the other departments. Women couldn't do that. Women could not go to construction sites.
1: And the senior exam was based on a lot of construction. Mm. Well, that sucks. Besides the sexism, though... I do appreciate this like rotations concept. I wish more industries did this.
2: Yeah, that sounds helpful. Like, I've often thought that I want to go intern with a GC for a few months and mm. then go back to the office. But yeah, yeah. One second. Let's see. Explain to me how Lois was supposed to pass an exam that essentially she wasn't allowed to study for. Like, yeah. with what material? If it was experience-based and she couldn't get the experience, so
0: how was she supposed to pass? I know. Mm. Exactly. So you had to take this EIT exam, engineering and training, in order to advance. But the women couldn't go to the site to get the experience. They needed to pass this test. It's so Exactly. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm WTF. So she said that some of the guys fortunately saved old exams so they could use those to study. But you're still taking the exam without any practical experience, right? So Lois has been trying to pass this exam since pretty early on in her career at Caltrans, right? She's been there since like 1953. She thinks she took it 16, 17 times. And finally, she decided to go back to school and get an engineering degree. So in 1975, she enrolled at Cal State in LA, formerly LA State College, where she went before, as a civil engineering student.
2: Gotta love this woman's persistence and perseverance. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing getting in her way.
1: Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned at the beginning, homegirl was resourceful. Also, kudos to these guys that were trying to help with those old exams. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out
0: to all the male allies out there.
1: Exactly. We see you. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So at some point during all of this, Lois has gotten married and had two children, by the way. I know nothing more about it than that. No names, nothing. But she did have a family. Ugh.
1: Okay, so it's no surprise, I guess, because we've heard this before. Besides our ladies with these, like, impressive careers, they were also mothers and wives, too. I know.
0: It's wild. Mm-hmm. So so during the interview I was reading, she started talking about how she started going to school, right? And while she was working full-time, raising her kids... And then on top of that, her husband was apparently super ill and had an aneurysm in his stomach that they couldn't find for a long time. And he was in a lot of pain, so he was in the hospital a lot. Oh, poor Lois. That is a lot to deal with. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay, but then she also had her own health issues. Mm. Oh my gosh. I know. She had, I'm going to say this wrong, doctors, (laughs) chondromyalgia. Mm. malaysia Malaysia of her kneecaps which is where the cartilage breaks down so it's bone on bone contact well when she first went in for it they were like okay we're gonna put a cast on your right knee and she was like uh nope i drove here so you can't put it on that side put it on the left one (laughs) so (laughs) then she for that day but then she had a cast on each leg for like two months each And she wore portable casts after that. So she'd drive to work with a cast on one leg, park, and then put the other one on and walked around at work with two stiff legs.
1: (laughs) This is nuts. (laughs) Right? Okay, so this sounds painful and uncomfortable, but it's kind of funny. I know. I know, but also like funny sad. Yeah, funny sad. (laughs) Funny sad. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, in 1971, (laughs) she apparently got surgery on one of the knees. But, okay, she has all this stuff going on when she starts going to Cal State. And then that first year, she gets gallstones and has to have her gallbladder removed, which she told them, can we wait until the summer when my semester is over?
1: (laughs) This lady.
0: (laughs) (laughs) too Too much. Oh, my gosh. All that is to say, Lois was doing all the things. And I know at some point her husband passed away, but I'm not really sure when that was. Something I read sounded like it might have been before her kids were grown
1: up, which is really tough. Yeah, that's tough. So it must mean that she was basically a single mother for a good part of her children's lives.
0: Yeah,
2: potentially. Mm -hmm. And going to school and running councils and making all sorts of career moves. I'm tired of just hearing about
0: it. I know. And our health issues. Right. Well, despite all of this, after she finished school, she finally passed the EIT, which meant that she could file to take the professional engineering exam and become licensed. She passed it the first time, which made her the first black woman engineer at Caltrans. And it sounds like she might have been the first in the state of California, but it was not confirmed. get
2: it also it's obvious that she just didn't have the information that she needed to pass the test because once she did have it once they allowed her to do that to have the right education bam she passes the test what a freaking
0: surprise Mm. i know So Caltrans put out another press release, and she said that she really enjoyed being a role model or a mentor to others. She said even the guys considered her a role model after she passed the exam on the first try. That's right. Around the same time she enrolled at Cal State, Lois joined SWE, the Society of Women Engineers. She spoke about not really wanting to join the group for a while because it felt like the quote unquote white lady group. She spoke about how hard it was to go into a space of only white people. She had attended a conference and just didn't feel super comfortable. And being from the South, it was really hard to erase that feeling. Sounded like there were a few other Black members of SWE at that time, but Lois didn't know them. I think also because she was so involved with the Council of Black Professional Engineers, she didn't feel a strong draw to SWE at that time.
1: That is interesting and sad at the same time. But I can understand where she is coming from.
0: Yeah.
2: It's good that at some point she felt welcome to join because Mm -hmm. I bet they could use her perspective and she could work on making it feel more welcoming for other Black women
0: engineers. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that got her to join eventually was that students at one of the campuses she was working with needed someone to sponsor a section of SWE. So Mm -hmm. she joined and continued to be a major player in SWE for many years when she spoke about SWE, she said, well, I enjoy communicating with other folks. And as you can see, I like to get on soapboxes, you know. And to me, this educational effort should be everybody's effort. It's not a black and white thing. It's not a Hispanic thing. It's an American thing. And we all need to get on the bandwagon and find out why we don't have more kids going into engineering in school. Preach, Lois, preach. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So after getting her license, Lois moved over to the newly formed civil rights branch of Caltrans. They needed an engineer, and so she purposefully went over there. They were working on the Century Freeway, which is now the I-105, which went through several low-income neighborhoods. This new branch was formed because Caltrans had been mandated to hire a certain percentage of underrepresented workers for the construction project since it was going through these neighborhoods. So Lois was the person in charge of deciding what percentage of each phase of construction would be designated to underrepresented workers and companies.
1: Okay, this is also very interesting. So technically, this was what, like in the 80s? But prior to this, highways, they were historically known to be the dividers, either by race or economic status or both. So I'm curious to know how this fares now. With this particular freeway and if it could be a model for future developments. I don't know. This is interesting.
0: Yeah, it's super interesting. Over her career at Caltrans, Lois worked on so many freeways around SoCal. The Century Freeway, the San Diego Freeway, the Long Beach Freeway, the San Gabriel River Freeway, and the Riverside Freeway. She retired from Caltrans in 1991. Off to the bingo hall. Oh, something tells me no bingo for Lois. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, during her retirement, she continued to fight for more students to go into engineering and kept teaching math and science on Saturdays.
1: Of course, no bingo just yet.
0: Yeah. In 1997, Lois got breast cancer and had both of her breasts removed. When she was diagnosed, she found out that one in eight people have cancer. And this was shocking to her as she felt like she didn't know anyone with cancer. She wanted to talk more openly about cancer so that people are less in the dark about it, saying, it's not like cancer is syphilis, something that you get from associating with somebody else. It's something that you have no control over and yet nobody likes to talk about it. So I'd tell everybody, I had cancer. It's not contagious and it's something that we all need to be concerned about. I think the more we talk about it, the more chances we have of finding it out before it gets to the place where
1: it's going to kill you. I think this is something that's still going on today, and how important it is to raise awareness for people to get tested. Yeah, or just go to their doctor regularly. Yeah, Yeah. do self exams, all the things. And you know what's even more sad is that the statistic is still the same. I know. Yeah. I feel like we had a
0: PSA at some point this
1: season about go see your doctors. So
0: go see your doctors. Go see your doctors again. (laughs) Yes. Luckily, Lois lived for another 17 years, passing away in 2014.
1: Oh, she was 83 in 2014. Like y'all, she did so much and she must have seen so much. Oh, my God. This story was really cool.
2: Yeah, she was so outspoken in so many aspects of her career and life. I'm so proud of her perseverance and how important it was for her to open doors for more people and how active she was in achieving everything.
0: I want to be Lois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Before we leave you, we have to tell you who our caryatid is for this week's episode. So, Jessica, can you remind us what a caryatid is? Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So, a caryatid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek style building. Each episode, we'll choose a caryatid, a woman who is working today, furthering the profession through their work, and who ties into the historical woman of our episode.
0: All right. Without further ado, this week's Caryatid is <laughs> Jennifer Sudario. Hey, hey. Jennifer. <laughs> All right. Jennifer is originally from Riverside, California. She studied architecture at UC Berkeley with a minor in structural engineering. That minor made her realize that her passion was actually in structural engineering. So she went to Cal Poly to get her master's in civil and environmental engineering
1: in 2012. Jenny, I'm going to, we, it's Jennifer, but also known as Jenny. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I could never fathom studying architecture or I can never fathom studying anything outside of architecture, like doing a minor. Just whenever I hear someone do this, it's so inspiring. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Yeah. Well, after she graduated, she started to work
0: at Arup in San Francisco, and she was a bridge engineer for five years. In 2018, she transferred to the L.A. office of Arup as a senior bridge engineer, where she worked on cut and cover tunnel and reinforced concrete design of freeways in the L.A. area. And Arup often does work with Caltrans on those projects since they're working on transportation freeways.
1: Okay. Can we talk about that time that Lizzie and I were in L.A. and we met up with Jenny and we got to go to the Arup offices and they do such cool and impressive work? I mean... What the work that she's doing with Arab? These are major projects, similar to Lois. Exactly. That's
0: kind of what made me think of her for this. Mm-hmm. So, in April of last year, Jennifer was promoted to be Arab's West Coast Bridge Team leader. You might recall that she was in Agora at the end of season five when she got this promotion. At the time, she told us that with just under 10 years of experience, she was one of the youngest women in leadership at Arup and one of only a few to have young children. And I feel like when I was telling Lois's story, I saw so many connections with Jennifer and how they're both young moms working and all of the transportation projects that they're working on in SoCal.
1: Yes, I can totally see the connection, and it's neat that our curated for this week is someone that we know and is a listener to the show. That it wasn't a girl. yes. It's, it's cool.
2: Yeah, this is such a great curated, Lizzie. I, I mean, we already knew Jenny is a total boss, but yes. it was great to learn a little bit more about her meteoric rise. And Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for her to continue leading and inspiring others through her great work.
0: Yeah. As we said, Jenny's a friend. And so it's just been really fun to see her career and I can't wait to see more of what she does. So, okay. Before we say goodbye, we want to say thank you to CMYK for the music, John W., our technical producer, and most of all, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed learning about Lois and Jenny along with our banter, and that you are inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, thank you. She Builds
2: Podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, and Gable Media is all about building a better world. If this sounds right up your alley, I know that it does. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com.
1: That's G-A-B-L media.com. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your engineers, your transportation engineers, the people that drive on the freeway and the HOV lane and that complain to people, the people that people. Um, tell them to give us five stars on iTunes. Tell them to write us a review and this will all help us reach a wider audience. And for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us.
0: We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SheBuildsPodcast and on Twitter as SheBuildsPod. Bye. 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 I just read what you wrote, Lizzie. <laughs> I'm going to start from the beginning because this is just
1: bad. You should put down the coquito, maybe
0: <laughs> a little too, much. It's a little a little too much. much,
1: a little too much, a little too much.